The following message has been brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on the web at trinitybc.org. Matthew chapter 5 this morning. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up uh, to the, your scriptures to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. Walk along with us as we will uh, continue our study as we've been Sunday morning walking through the life of Christ, uh, going verse by verse, even uh, one verse at a time through this very deep passage of Scripture we've been looking to. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. It is a teaching of the Lord Jesus Himself, and it begins with what we have named the Beatitudes. Uh, Beatitude coming from the Latin, just simply meaning blessing. Uh, It is proclamations of Jesus, whereby He is saying, uh, giving descriptions even, of those who are blessed, uh, those who are that word blessed meaning content in life, having a, a joy and a satisfaction that only comes from God, from being right with God, from being in the favor of God. Uh, we all long and desire, you're probably, everybody in the room this morning would say, I want to live a blessed life. And many think in an atheistic way of a blessed life, meaning financial prosperity or health and, and you know, just well-being on, on this earth. Uh, But for a believer, as we think of a blessed life, more than all, that means living a life that's pleasing before God. Uh, A life that's lived whereby God someday will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, To live a life that God delights in. I love uh, the the Lord and and, and even as we're looking at this morning of, of being a child of God, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. These Beatitudes, if you've been with us, you've heard me say or not. They're not a road map to the kingdom of God as much as they are a litmus test for the kingdom of God. They are characteristics that Jesus gives that describes what we ought to be, but what we in and of ourselves are not. Uh, What we ought to be to enter the kingdom of heaven. First of all, they ought to convict us, the Savior, as we're going to see even in the application of the beatitude we're going to look to this morning. And then secondly, they ought to describe what we are in Christ. How we live as children of God who have been redeemed, who have been saved, who have been given a new heart, who have been given uh, the Spirit of God that is within us. And so as we read through these Beatitudes, don't think, I need to be more like this in order to earn God's favor. No, first of all, we think, my goodness, I'm not what I ought to be. I need salvation. And then, and only then, do we say, this is what Christ ought to be working within our life, within our hearts, as we are children of God, as we are citizens of this kingdom. Let's read through all of the Beatitudes, verses 1 through 12, and we will look back to verse 8, which uh, has the six Beatitudes that will be our focus for this morning. Verse 1 of Matthew chapter 5, read along as I read aloud, follow along. And seeing the multitudes, he, that's that's Jesus, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was seated with his disciples, his disciples came to him, then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Go back to verse 8, our focus for the morning. Blessed are the pure in heart. The pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, as we look back through the Bible, we find many people that we would uphold as examples for many, many stories of the lives of people who, who lived for the Lord in such a way that we would say it's exemplary. Not that they were perfect, but they lived in such a way that we could say they were ones who saw God. They were ones who walked with God even when nobody else on planet Earth was walking with the Lord and was seeing God in their life as God would desire them to do. They are set as examples for even us this morning to look back upon and say, goodness, I hope my life can be lived in their footsteps. To go back to Genesis chapter 5. And in the middle of this genealogy, just listing out so-and-so, begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so, we come across this guy named Enoch. And it says of Enoch in verse 24 that Enoch walked with God, and he was not because God took him. Strange little reference. We don't know much about the life of Enoch. Someday I hope to see Enoch and say, man, what was your life really like? All we know of the man is he had such a close walk with the Lord that, that God said, it's time for you to come up into my very presence in heaven. He, he walked with God, and he was not because God had took him. To have such a, a life, such a, a vision of God, even in our, that it would be said of us, we walked with God, that we could write that on a tomb. Here lies Brandon Denmark, one who walked with God. That ought to be the goal of every Christian's heart, of every Christian's life. To think of Noah, Noah living in a day when things were much worse than they are even in our day and age, a day where every man was doing evil continually and no one was seeking after the Lord. No one saw the Lord as they ought to except Noah being described even then as a just man, a blameless man in his generation. And Genesis 6, 9, it continues and it says Noah was one that walked with God. Noah knew God. Noah saw God in his life and in his family even when everybody else around him had had embraced such a wicked lifestyle that they knew nothing of God, their creator. Joseph and all the wrong that was committed against him, and yet we see his integrity time after time again as one who walked with God, as one who lived in obedience before God. Abraham, all the stories of Abraham. Think of Job and all the sufferings of Job, and yet his commitment to walk with the Lord. Moses, it's said of Moses that he was one that the Lord spoke to face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And the examples could go on and on and on. I love the stories of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Teenagers, just young, young men, when they were torn out of their homeland and brought into a foreign land with a, a whole foreign culture, with all the gods of Babylon and all the king, uh, the powers even of Babylon and all the rules that they wanted to put over them that they could have embraced to advance in that society. And yet they did the hard thing and they stood against the grain of the culture and the grain of, of the, the common way of, of that society, worshiping all these idols. And they, they stood for the Lord and they obeyed the Lord and they sought the Lord. They walked with the Lord. We could say they were ones who saw the Lord in their lives. And as we think about our lives this morning, 
And I hope you came here in part because there is a desire upon your heart where you would say, I want to see God. Like, I know there is a God. I know that He has created me. I know there is a blessing that He desires over me that's not found in money or in fame or in the powers of this life. There's something greater. There's something more meaningful. There there is a joy and a happiness and a contentment that can only be found by seeing God, by by living in a life of obedience before the Lord. That we would have people, young people, young men even in this room this morning who would say, I want to be a Daniel who stands up against the ways of culture to follow after God and to see God, to see Him, even when nobody else has that desire, even when everybody else is doing just the opposite and being blinded and hardened by immorality and wickedness and sin. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In this short beatitude, we we find the secret to, to seeing God, and Jesus says, only the pure in heart, only the pure, those that are clean, those that are undefiled. Those that are unspotted, those that are unblemished, those that aren't aren't tainted by sin and wickedness. The pure in heart, the heart being the innermost being of who we are. The Bible speaks of the heart as being the place where we think, the place where we feel, and the place where where the volition resides, where we decide, where we do, where we act. The place of cognition, emotion, and volition, the place of thinking and feeling and doing, the innermost being, we often would divide it out and say, well, the heart is just emotions and the mind is where we think and the will. All of that is included in that inner being of who we are, described in the Bible as the heart, the innermost being. Only the pure, the undefiled, the unspotted, the unblemished, only the pure in heart shall see God. Hebrews 12 and 14, verse 14, says something very similar, where it's commanded, pursue peace with all people and holiness. Pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That if we want to see a God who is pure, a God who is holy, a God who is the true righteous creator of the universe, those who wish to have a fellowship with Him, a a relationship with Him, those who wish to see Him, must also be pure before His eyes. The secret to living a blessed life is to be pure, to be clean, to see God because of the purity of our heart. That, of course, poses a great question to us all. How do we get a pure heart? How in the world can a holy and just God look down at you and look down at me and see pureness when they look into our innermost being? I want to talk to you about that this morning. Just two simple points from God's Word about how we can have a pure heart before the Lord. Consider first, if you're going to have a pure heart before the Lord, first of all, your heart must be cleansed. Your heart must be cleansed. I'm going to turn to the Scripture in a moment, but but I don't have to turn to the Scripture to make this point because the Scripture just validates what is so 
evident in reality in our lives that, that none of us have a pure heart before a holy and a, a righteous and a just God. A God that knows everything. You go back just within this week and you think about the heart being the thinking and the feeling and the doing. And would you say even within this past week you were completely pure in all that you thought and all that you felt and in all that you did? If we're all being honest, there's not a single one of us who can honestly stand up and say, yeah, this past week I lived completely pure in obedience to all the righteous requirements of God. Completely pure in every thought and in every, every feeling and in every action and every deed. No, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 it says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all, or deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The, the Jeremiah makes clear uh, just a fact of human nature. Your heart is deceitfully wicked. It's desperately wicked above all things. Who who can know it? I've made this point before, but it's so true. I'll make it again. If you've had children, you know this point well. That we are born into sin. We don't teach children how to do wrong. Go keep nursery if you don't have kids for one Sunday. I promise it'll be evident. If you've got, I've got a three-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old, and, and the little sinners, they, they know sin in, inherently, like who they are. It, it comes out mine, and no, and I'll hit you if you take the toy I want. And we're selfish, naturally. The heart is desperately wicked. And it poses a great problem that if, if, if only the pure shall see God, only those pure in heart will see God, and none of us are pure, we've got a big problem because we, we need cleansed. And what we find in the Word of God is there's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to cleanse the wickedness of our hearts. That we try through religion, and we try through even good works, being a better person, but nothing that we do can really cleanse the, the sinfulness of our heart and make us pure before God. No matter how good we can get, no matter how religious we become, the sin is still there, the impurity is still there, and it has to be dealt with. And this sets us up to read of Jesus, to read of what God even prophesied all the way back in Ezekiel, where he says in Ezekiel 36 and verse 25 and 27, Then I will sprinkle you with clean water, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and all your idols. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take your heart of stone and flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Ezekiel prophesied, God through Ezekiel, of a day where he would be able to give a new heart. And as we come to the New Testament, as we come to this side of the cross, what we find is God accomplished that through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, God incarnate, dying upon a cross. Why did he die that death upon a cross? Because we needed cleansed. And there was no other way that our sinful hearts could be made pure apart from the work of our Savior dying upon a cross in our place, bearing the penalty of our sins. And we come to Him with filthy rags, with stained hearts, and, and His blood washes us white as snow. The whole New Testament 
is built upon this truth. We call it the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just to read a couple of verses. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest, that means the, the presence of God, he's in a way saying, having boldness to see God. Therefore, having boldness to enter into the holiest, ha- holiest how? By the blood of Jesus. Let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You go back a chapter to chapter 9 and verse 14, speaking of all these Old Testament sacrifices, it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You see what the author of Hebrews is saying there? That, that we... And Paul says in Ephesians, we're dead in our sins and our trespasses. We were impure before a holy God, and only the pure can see God. God intervened. God provided a way. God brought about a way that you and I can be cleansed. And it's not found in, in religion in, in and of itself. It's not found in coming to church in and of itself. It's not even found in the, the Scriptures even in and of themselves. Jesus says, you read them looking for eternal life, but it's they that bear witness about me. These point us to the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That He truly did come and give His life a ransom upon a cross for your sins and my sins. That that by His shed blood, you and I can receive a cleansing. We, We can be washed from our iniquity, from our wickedness, and we in Christ can be given a new heart, can be given a and enter into eternal glory with Him are those who come by the blood of Christ. Are those who have been given a clean heart in Jesus. If you are here this morning and you are longing to see God, you are longing to have a clean heart, a pure heart before Him in order that you may see Him, it only comes through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never reached a moment in your life where you've, you've come under the conviction of your sin, and, and under that weight of sin, you've realized your depravity, and, and in your desperation, you realize there's nothing I can do to clean my heart. I need cleansing. And you come to realize the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God. John 3.16, For God so loved the world. That what? That He gave us a religion to follow, and works that we can achieve in order to earn salvation. That He gave us a new leaf to turn over in life where we can stop doing the things we used to do and start doing the things we ought to do. No, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He crucified Him upon a tree at Calvary. Shed His blood in order that we, through that atoning sacrifice, might be cleansed, might, might have access to Holy God, that we might, that we might see Him. If you've never come to a place of turning to Christ and and repenting of your sin, believing upon Him as Lord and Savior, being cleansed by His blood, you you need that. Or you will never see God. You need what Jesus did for you at Calvary. You must repent and believe upon Him as Lord and as Savior. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You need 
your heart cleansed by God, notice firstly. Secondly, having received that cleansing from Jesus, secondly, notice also you must cleanse your heart. So many people get so mixed up with these two points. You've got to have your heart cleaned, cleansed, but you also need to cleanse your heart. Some people want to emphasize the first rightly in a way that realizes we're only saved by grace, and it's by what Jesus did for us at Calvary. But they neglect the second point, and others neglect the first, and all they focus on is the second, and they think that through their works they can cleanse their life, and they neglect the blood of Jesus that, that is the only thing that truly atones and, and covers our sins and cleanses our heart. And the Bible, the Bible expresses both, and one is based upon the other. Okay, the second is based upon the first. We can only begin the process of cleansing our lives because Jesus has cleansed us. Because Jesus has given us a new heart. Because we've repented and believed upon Him as Lord and Savior, and He saved us, and we're now a, a child of God. But hear me, if we think we can receive that cleansing from God and get saved and then continue in our sin and filth and iniquity, living however we want, and think that by continuing in these things, just because we've said a prayer and gotten baptized, that that we can see God, we're missing the entirety of the second point here. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That the one whom Jesus cleanses will be about the work of cleansing his own life because of the salvation he's received. Not, not, not in order to earn salvation. Not, not that he's cleaning his life up because he's trying to make himself right before God. No, just the opposite. He has been made right by the grace of God, cleansed by the blood of Christ. Therefore, that power that saved us is a power at work within us to compel us to live a little bit differently in life. To seek to obey God in our living and to seek to honor Him by not doing the things that are against Him. By the things that are a perversion of His goodwill and His good design. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Unless you just think I'm making this up, it's pretty clear right here. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. He's speaking to believers here. Not only must we receive the cleansing of the Lord Jesus Christ being uh, forgiven by His His blood, but in, in light of that, because of that, the call here is, therefore, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, purity, perfected holiness in the fear of God. Our acting, our work of Cleaning our lives is dependent upon having received the cleansing that is from above, the cleansing of Jesus' blood. But, but hear me, if you, if you think you've received that cleansing from Jesus, and, and yet your life is lived in great sin and, and, and iniquity and wickedness, and there is no conviction over that sin, there is no work of God to, to grow you in that image of Christ, the, to, to clean up your life, the reality is you've probably not truly believed upon Christ rightly as Lord and Savior. You might be scared of hell and you might be delighted by the thought of heaven, but you've never gotten to a place of truly asking Christ to forgive you and cleanse you from your sin. Because when that happens, the believer's got a new heart and the Spirit of God is within us 
And, and if we really want to see God in our lives, if we want to see God in our marriage, if we want to see God in our family, if we want to see God in our workplace, if we want to see God in our church, it, it, it requires a, a cleanliness, a, a cleansing of our lives. It can't be filled with sin and wickedness and iniquity. And, and us think that God just turns a blind eye to that and we still live a blessed life enjoying all the, the wickedness that, that is against God, that is contrary to Him. So many believers fail to see God, fail to know Him as they've been saved to, to walk with Him as they've been saved to, because they never cleanse their lives of the sins that Jesus has saved them from. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to apply this just in three arenas as we think about the heart being the place of our thinking, of our feeling, and of our acting. To think of purity in heart that God requires of us to truly see Him. Purity in our thinking, purity in our feeling, our emotions, and purity in our actions, in our our works, our deeds. First, let's think about purity in thoughts. If you're going to see the Lord, believer, if you want to seek His blessing in your life and be one who walks with the Lord, You must, you must be pure in your thoughts. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think. Think about these things. Don't let your mind be filled with with the things that are wicked, with the things that are perversions, with the sexual immoralities, with the the evil thoughts, the malice, the envy, the the lust. Don't, Don't let your mind be filled with those things that are against God, but fill your mind with these things, the things that are good, that are pure, that are honorable, that that are exalted in the eyes of of God, that are worthy of praise. See, sin, sin blinds. And sin sears the conscience. Yeah, I, I think about the way our culture has gone as a whole. And to realize, like, 1950s I Love Lucy television show. Now, I didn't realize this until recently, but did you realize, if I'm reading what I read correctly, Lucy and Ricky are really married or were really married in real life. Like, those were two actors that were married. All right? they're, they're acting in the show I Love Lucy and when it came to any scene that was in the bedroom, if you watch the show, it's always made fun of because they had two separate beds in the bedroom for a married couple, not only married in the show, but actually married in, in real life. But in an effort to not be scandalous at all, it, it was even required of them that they not show a married person's bedroom with one bed because they didn't want any, 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 any thought at all of anything wrong, anything corrupt coming into a person's mind watching that show. Think how far we've gone. That that our culture in that day and age would not even put a married couple in their bedroom with one bed and separated the beds out of an effort of purity in, in the television that was being aired. And here we are today with such filth and wickedness and sexual immorality that is just commonplace and accepted. I sound like one of those old folks that I heard when I was young who would look at me and, and would say, it's just not the way it was in my day and age. 
I can't believe all the temptations that you face in your day and age. And, and here I am, you know, not all that old, but older with kids of my own. And I look at our world around us, and it grieves my heart to realize the world in which I'm raising my kids. You know, technology is such a blessing. It is. It's pretty cool that if I need to get from here to there, I can pull up my phone and put it in the maps, and I'm, it'll direct me right to it. Or if I need a... And whatever I need, I can go to Amazon, and the next day, boom, it's on my doorstep. Technology has opened the door for so much creature comfort, so much that is good, but with technology has come such, a, such an advancement of wickedness. And the, the way that it's permeated every person, not just our culture at large, but even every individual, that if you think about it, even in my day and age as a teenager, before cell phones were so commonplace, if, if a kid wanted something like that was inappropriate, that was wrong, that's perversion in the eyes of God, you had to go out and get it. You had to seek that. You had to know the place where that was. And because of technology, with all the blessings comes such a great curse, you don't have to go look for it. You don't have to know where it is. It's come to you. And eight and nine-year-old kids that, that have these little devices, and with all the good that can come from it and the communication and knowing where they are, most leave it totally unrestricted, and they have access to such wickedness that is so prevalent, not only on the pornographic websites and all the mess that's out there, but even just the commonplace accepted stuff that's on things like TikTok and Facebook and Snapchat or whatever it is, Instagram, all of the sexual perversion and immorality that, that has become so commonplace that, that we no longer even bat an eye at it. That many believers even no longer bat an eye at it. And it, and it fills their minds and it fills their hearts. And, and God says, without purity in heart, no one will see me. And, and, and Satan's got such a great tactic, especially with our younger generation, of infiltrating all of them with this, this wicked perversion. That, that They're so tainted by these things. But I wonder if they'll ever really see God. I wonder if they'll ever know Him as Enoch knew Him. As Moses, who spoke, had God speak face to face. As Daniel, who didn't care what everybody else around him was doing, and the pressure uh, to cave in, and he, he would stand before God in obedience to God. Uh, are we going to ever have another Daniel, or a Moses, or a Joseph, or an Enoch in our day and age because so many have been infiltrated by the perversions of, of what they find on these little devices? And I, and I promise you, it, 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 it's warping an entire generation. There's young guys that will never seek God in their marriage because they're addicted to garbage and filth. Unless there's a, a great act of repentance and coming to see the sinfulness of that sin, they'll, they'll never have that blessing of God in their life that God desires, that God has saved them to have because of the stronghold of sin in their life. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I'm looking at a lot of young people right over here. I'm glad you're here in the church house. I'm glad you're here hearing even my voices. I'm, I'm trying to get this through your head. Hear me. What is so 
easily accessible and what is so commonplace out there that the world says is nothing, that the world may even say is enjoyable. When you go and go down that road and these things get in your thinking, you will not see God as He desires for you to see Him. God will not be pleased in your life. God will not be glorified in your life as He saved you even to, to be to live for His glory and to receive His blessing upon you. You'll miss out on so much that is right and that is good, that is a blessing of God because of sin and the consequences of sin and the warping of sin. What it does, even in your your psyche, is you, you, you take those things in and they become commonplace and you can't even enjoy the blessing of a, a marriage relationship. The world laughs at it and the world exalts it as good and as pleasurable, but hear me, Statistics show it and evidence that it is true. It it kills. It destroys. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You must have a, a purity in your thinking. A purity in your emotions. Proverbs 4 and verse 23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of of life, you, you realize your emotions are affected by everything you see, everything you read, everything you, you hear. All that you take in affects your heart, affects even your emotions and the things you're seeking and the things you're desiring. I was pumping gas just the other day, and there was a little side-by-side ATV filling up there at Tony's gas station, blaring, blaring rap music. I don't listen to rap music. Neither should you listen to this rap music because within a three-minute period, I promise you, I heard more cuss words than I've heard in the entirety of my life in these, these lyrics that were coming out. And not only that, the filth, I mean the like just flat-out filth and perverted view of women and things that were being said in this song. If I'd have had my kids with me, I, I would have gone over to this guy and said, listen, man, can you, can you turn that off? I might should have even without my kids gone over and said, turn that, turn that down and turn that off. And to think, I, I even sat there as I heard this, to think there, there's maybe even some of you, especially younger ones here, and that's what you fill your mind with? That's what you fill your heart with? You, you think you can listen to that and see God? It doesn't work that way. There will be consequences. There will be emotional scars even and hardness of heart. It will come upon you. To see the shows and the movies that so many watch and think, it's just a movie, it won't affect me. Much less the inappropriateness of even the filming of the movies with the junk they have in them. But Christians think they can watch the worst and, well, it's not going to affect me. It's just a show, it's just a movie. No, what you take in affects your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life can't watch that sort of stuff and think that it's not going to affect me. No, those that do that, you, you won't see God. You live a mediocre Christian life, hopefully Christian, but mediocre Christian life, never having received the blessing of God, never being one who really walks with God, never being one who sees God in your marriage, in your life, in your family. Purity and emotions. Thirdly, lastly, purity and actions. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Colossians 3 and verse 17. This is the most obvious to realize there are things we can do that are contrary to God's good design and will for our lives. 
you reach a, hear this, young people. I know you've already tuned out again, so tune in again really quick and hear this. Realize that God's commands for you are not for your demise. Like what God gives to us isn't what keeps us from what's best. We buy into the lie of the world and the lie of Satan thinking that, that man, it's best to go do this and do that and live this way every Friday night with this person and that person when really know what God desires and commands of us is actually what is most blessed. And to stand before your spouse someday and have be committed to her and only her and not have the baggage and scars and junk from the past that you bring into what never should have happened, bring into a relationship. And to be able to love one woman through all the days of your life. That's what you really desire because it's ultimately best, but the world twists it and makes you buy a lie into thinking, no, these other things will be better. God's ways are best. What God commands of us is good. And when we go against that, we, you, you've got to realize you, you will not see God because of the impurity. Your heart will be hardened. Sin has consequence. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9-11, through 11, Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, that's sex outside of marriage, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. That's God's word. I'm just reading it. Those who do such things will not enter God's kingdom. But thank the Lord, the verse continues, verse 11, and such were some of you. At one point, those things described all of us. Such were some of you, but you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You you came and you received as a, a sinner the cleansing of the blood of Christ. And you've been given a new heart, a new life in Jesus. You, you've got that cleansing that's occurred. Therefore, in your life, you, you can't continue in those things. You've been saved. You've been forgiven. You've been cleansed. And so now there's a call, believer, cleanse your life of the filthiness. If you really want to see God, blessed are the pure, the pure in heart, for they shall see I want to ask as we close, if you would pray Psalm 139, the final two verses. Search me, O God, and know my ways. Know my heart, rather, first of all. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. As we come to a time of invitation, that every person, Believer, you would examine your heart and say, God, is there anything I need to confess this morning? Is there any, any sin in my life that's keeping me from seeing you as you've saved me to see you? And confess that and find He's faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. Just repent, confess, leave here renewed and leave here in the strength of, of that new life in Christ to, to get rid of the filthiness, get rid of whatever it is you need to get rid of in your life. And if you're here and you've never come to Christ, you've never received that cleansing of the blood of Jesus, it's available to you if you would only turn to Christ. If you've never repented and believed upon Him, do so, I beg you. Receive by faith the grace and mercy of God that He gave Jesus to die upon the cross for your sins, was buried and raised again. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall Father, we come to you and we thank you that 
when we were impure in heart, you made a way. And you gave Christ to be that atonement, Christ to shed his blood, whereby our sins may be washed white as snow. Lord, I thank you for the clean heart in Christ you gave to me as a seven-year-old. I know there's many in here who in time past have come to you through Christ and they've received that cleansing. They've been forgiven and redeemed and given a new heart, a new life in Jesus, a new creation in Him. But Lord, how easily we are distracted and tempted and led astray and sin creeps back into our lives. Lord, if there be any of us who have sin in our lives that needs to be confessed, I pray you convict. Lord, point it out. Weigh it heavy upon our hearts that we would repent now and find renewal in your grace and mercy. Lord, you give us the strength to leave here and make the changes to to clean our lives of whatever it is that is pulling us away from you, that is blinding us to seeing you. Lord, if there be one here who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, may they now, I pray, be turning to you and believing upon Christ as their Lord and Savior. I ask it in his name.